0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to ATL Day 1's coming up today. The Braves still have a chance to show no brotherly love. And will the Hawks play chess and not checkers? And then for the culture, all that brilliance coming from one family. Let's go, Day 1's fam. This is ATL Day 1's part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome again to ATL Day Ones. Thank you guys for making us a part of your day. ATL Day Ones, of course, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And we got a special guest in the house today, host of 92.9 The Game's hometown take, Dylan Matthews. Big Dylan, what's up?
0: What's up, T? How we feeling? How we feeling? It's great to be here. I appreciate you and Jarvis letting me fill in and chop it up with y'all. So always good to be here.
1: Yeah, good to hold down Jarvis's seat for a couple days. We appreciate you, especially on an episode like today. I know you want to dig... Right into what we're going to go into in our deep dive. We're going to talk all things Hawks and NBA draft. But first, let's make a pit stop up in the city of brotherly love. Of course, the Braves are still up there wrapping up their series with the Phillies. Now, it was supposed to be a two-game series, but of course, weather came through last night. And so that game is pushed to September 11th. The series finale is today at 105. And it was a little bit of a switcheroo for Brian Snicker with the starting rotation as well. It was supposed to be A.J. Smith-Shawber. Now, he's going to start tomorrow and instead we will get Bryce Elder today. But although this is now a technically two-game series, Braves have already won, so they definitely guarantee the split because of the winning first game. But how important is it to actually not just get the Dove, Dylan, but also to get a sweep today?
0: It's very important because you want to continue to assert your dominance in the NL East. It's not necessarily about, oh, if the Phillies win, they'll be eight games back instead of nine games back. It's just about continuing to assert your dominance and show that you're still the big dogs in the NLEs. And everything runs through the Braves. And really just keeping your momentum because you are going into what is going to be a tough series against the Cincinnati Reds. The Red Hot Cincinnati Reds. They're on an 11-game win streak. So, hopefully the Braves can snap that just like they snapped the Phillies' six-game win streak just a couple of nights ago. So, it's all about just... Keeping momentum and staying on this streak that the Braves are on right now. Obviously, they've won seven games in a row. You want to stay on that streak. Want to continue? Obviously, too. When we talk about going back to the NL East, you want to make sure you push back the other teams in the NL East as far as you can. So it's always an important game when you're taking on an NL East foe like the Philadelphia Phillies. Just to again assert your dominance, keep pushing them back, get them ten games back, and. Give yourself as big of a cushion as you can because we've seen before there will be stretches where the Braves struggle a little bit. There are going to be days where it does rain, no pun intended, but that's really the most important thing. Continue momentum. Keep pushing the other teams back in the NL East, and hopefully you can have your own winning streak and snap another game, uh, snap another winning streak heading into the Red Series.
1: And I was thinking the same thing. Like with the Marlins just back six games, Phillies back nine games, and of course, the Mets, that's 13 and a half. <laughs> but you make an absolutely great point. This is the time when the Braves made their run last year, right? right. So You can never take any series for granted. You can never take any win for granted. As many wins as you can stack up in the division, that's always important. The other thing I was thinking about is this, Dylan. Every time you have a good start, for example, and especially a good start that leads to to a W, like Bryce Elder giving six innings and giving up just one run his last outing, if you can get that from him again as well, every time you do something like that, that gives an opportunity, right, right? For there to take some for there to be some pressure taken off the starting rotation. And that's what you love to see as well. And you have so many players. I mean, we could go down this entire lineup where literally everybody is on fire. And so you want to keep that momentum as well right now that everybody's bat is just absolutely swinging, whether it is the long ball or just driving runs in with singles and doubles. This team is really clicking on all cylinders. So yeah, you absolutely want to see them get their eighth win in a row, if for no other reason, for those reasons I just mentioned. And like you said, it's always important to continue to assert your dominance over the division. Now, pregame, Brian Snicker, speaking of players kind of coming back or giving an opportunity for some rest, he said Sean Murphy felt better after running around uh, Wednesday, right? But Said so they still wanted to wait until today to decide if Murphy will play in the series finale. We now know that it's all in all likelihood he'll get his start, his return in Cincinnati. And I said to myself, once again, that tells you how important depth is, right? It's good to have someone like a Travis Darno to be able to call good games, right? But not just call good games for those pitchers, but to also be good at the plate. And I say that because we know that Sean Murphy was doing both of those things extremely well. But as good as Travis Darno has been, as solid as he has been for these Braves, Sean Murphy has been lights out himself. So, how important will it be to get a healthy Sean Murphy back to begin, as you mentioned, the series against a red hot Red team?
0: It's going to be really important because, like you just said, Sean Murphy has been—he's—he's he's had hot streaks, but he's really just been. Consistent, that consistent dude, lunch pail guy, bringing the, bringing the bat and obviously bringing the arm uh, behind the plate, and just being a a solid force back there for the Atlanta Braves, and just being one of those consistent guys like we've seen Ronald Acuna Jr. be, and uh, like like we've seen other guys be throughout the season as well. So it's going to be really important to get him back. And then two, you you also we talk about when when in the beginning of the season where we're talking about depth and like you were just mentioning depth wise having a guy and having two guys like Sean Murphy and Travis Darno take the pressure off each other you know the same thing goes for Travis Darno once Sean Murphy's out a little bit you know Travis Darno is going to have to pick up the slack catching which is fine but you don't want to have to you don't want that to go on for too long so after a while, Sean Murphy, them knees, he's going to start to fill them knees a little bit. And, you know, you want Sean Murphy to come back just so he can, you know, start to take that extra slack that Travis Darno had to pick up. You want you want Sean Murphy to be back so he can, you know, give Travis a few days off, maybe just let him uh, be DH for a couple of games. So it's going to be important to get him back just so you can give Travis that extra time off as well. And and of course, just to get that back back in the lineup, because, I mean, he's been swinging it good all year long. And we're going to need every every single bat we can get against the Cincinnati Reds, who, again, like we mentioned, they're hot, and we, uh, we want to stay hot as well. So having a guy like Sean Murphy back is going to be very important for the Atlanta Braves.
1: Indeed. And he's a guy who, interestingly enough, he does extremely well on the the on the road because he's got 20 RBI on the road. So, yeah, if you're going up to Cincinnati, you want him to come back in at the perfect time. And also, if you're putting an A.J. Smith-Schauber out there and a Jared Schuster out there, those young right. pitchers have gotten very comfortable with Sean Murphy calling games for them. So it's important for them to have that veteran presence who has guided them so far this season to be able to have some success on the mound. So, yeah, it will absolutely be a good thing to see him back. Speaking of good things, man, Athens, it's like, UGA just has an embarrassment of riches, right? It's like every time we, we turn around, around, it's like one more thing, right? So I'll start I mean, with one do. of the the pieces of good news that we heard on Wednesday. And it's a local product who's going to stay local. we got a, a D lineman out of Mays, Contagious Johnson. He committed, according to UGASports.com. He is a four, four-star lineman, looked at Clemson, looks at, looked at South Carolina, but ultimately decided that he was going to stay right here local. And speaking of staying local or coming local, in the case of Dylan Riola, he announced that he is actually headed to Georgia for his senior season. He's going to be up at Buford High School. And I thought, wow, this just a month ago, this conversation was totally different. Right. This is a guy who committed to Ohio State back in December only to decommit last month and then make his commitment to Georgia. And has been very vocal and very upfront about recruiting four and five star players to come and join him in that class. Right. That upcoming class. And so once again, he, of course, is one of those top 13 recruits from the ESPN 300. But what I thought was interesting is the mindset, Dylan. This is the type of mindset that you Read about with Arch Manning. Now we're starting to learn more about Dylan Raiola, and I think to myself, as exciting as that must be for everybody who's ever gone to Buford High School, and of course you went to high school locally here, so I'm sure you were like, yeah. dang! So he can't like, you know, can't roll up on my, you know, my alma mater. Right. Yeah, those folks up in Buford are having an absolute field day, but I think they are in Athens as well because mm. the biggest advantage I see is the recruitment piece, and here's where I tie it in. On the flip side for the dogs they've had some challenges this last month as far as pr goes and all of the issues sure. that have come out the ajc report about some dangerous and reckless driving that's gone on where people are starting to question like is this a place that you want to send your kids is this going to be a knock on Kirby smarts program is he going to start to see a, a hit taken by the program down the road for recruiting i think that when you get a local guy like quintavious johnson and when you get a guy like Dylan Riola to say, not only am I committing to Georgia, but I'm actually moving there because I want to be closer to the program and I want to be able to recruit from this hotbed in Georgia. I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of advantage that it gives you when a guy like Dylan Riola says, hey, I'm going to transfer to school here and I'll see you in 2024.
0: Most definitely. I mean. First of all, that raisin Canes, he must have got that first time up in Athens, must have hit different for him. I guess they ain't got it. I keep telling
1: people, Dylan. They don't want to listen.
0: <laughs> they, they sleep on it. But no, in all seriousness, this is huge. Not obviously for, for Beaufort, for a multitude of reasons. The richer get richer there as well. But for Georgia, now they can have who is the number one player in the class of 2024. They can have him on campus a little bit more. He can go to more games. I mean, he's just going to be able to be engulfed and involved in that program in a way he just wasn't going to be able to do if he stayed. I believe his family was in Texas because I think his uh, his sister plays softball at TCU, if I'm not mistaken. But the point being, he's just going to be way more involved, and he's also going to get an extra leg up when you talk about, you know, maybe getting to see a couple of practices, maybe getting this, you know, just get get the playbook earlier, just be involved with that team, and he'll just have a leg up so when he actually does get on campus full-time, he's going to, instead of feeling maybe he's playing a little bit of catch-up, he's going to be like, oh, I've already been around this, I know this, I'm already here, so I, it, it's just huge for, uh, for Georgia and for Dylan as well because now maybe instead of having to, you know, uh, be a maybe be questions about you know whether or not he's going to be the starter outright which he probably wasn't going to be anyway but now I mean there's probably going to be no questions just as soon as he gets on campus he's going to be ready to go and he's going to be ready to rock because of the early steps he's already taken being here uh in Georgia being close to the program being in Athens so it's just huge for for both parties
1: Oh, I I like the sound of that, too. And I was thinking the same thing, like, man, not that the depth chart had already changed a little bit and not that the transfer portal wasn't opening up. But, man, when you put your stamp on it, like Dylan Raiola did with that announcement, if you will, yesterday, that, yeah, that speaks absolute volumes. And to your point as well, when you are that close to Athens, if you just want to take a weekend trip just to kind of see how things go, you can do that. Or if you end up graduating early and you have early enrollment, it's that much Easier for you to just get acclimated and matriculate into that program. Now, speaking of ease of getting into a program and a program that has a philosophy and a culture that we all understand, that would be the dogs. But on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about a team where, hmm, Dylan, they say they want to build culture. They say that they want to do some big things, but we shall see.
0: Wait, we're going to see.
1: And this portion of the show, of course, is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And who couldn't use a G right about now? That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. So, of course, there are going to be some people who are betting that the Braves will get their eighth win in a row today. Want to find out what that gets you, what that nets you? Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Also, the Hawks are picking at number 15 and number 46, allegedly, (laughs) uh, which are over under whether or not they'll pick at 15. If they are going to trade up, trade down, or trade away their draft capital, there might be a little something for you at FanDuel.com slash locked on as well. So don't. Miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash lock on to sign up. Now, FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball, but like we said, it's not just about baseball. You might find a little something there as well because we know we got a local product and Scoot Henderson that we're going to be watching the board for as well. So the over-under on whether or not he's going to be two or three, or you know what, there are some reports out right now that are saying, shockingly, he might go number one. We know that the odds are probably not in favor of that, but if you want to bet it, you know where to go, fanduel.com. Now, Dylan, this is where it gets
2: exciting. Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. I'm ready for the excitement.
1: Oh, yeah. This is where <laughs> it gets exciting because everybody should know Dylan and I are serious hoof heads, right? So, oh, yeah. so, yeah, I was so excited to know that he was going to be co-hosting and guest hosting not just today, pre-draft but tomorrow so we can have draft reaction
2: right? yes
0: <laughs> yes
1: yeah because i mean at this point dylan we have seen mock drafts ad nauseum right mm-hmm. but one thing that i've seen for the most part that's been consistent is that if the hogs do go at 15 they're likely to take the combo guard Casey wallace out of kentucky right this is a guy right. who can play the one he can play the two six two so we've got some good span there 195 if you will Almost 12 points, averaging a game, four assists, almost four rebounds. So, we got a two way player there potentially. And the buzz has been building also, however, about the center out of Duke, uh, Derek Lively, the second. Second one. So, you got yourself a seven footer, 230 pounds, five points, five rebounds, just a season at Duke. But I thought this was interesting and wanted to get your take on it as well. Here's what Landry Fields had to say about whether or not. The Hawks actually have a need for the team to add depth. And if that's the most important part of the decision on who they pick, or if chasing the East contenders dictates that pick, if they actually pick at 15 at all.
0: I think with the draft, I'm not expecting the guy to come in and say, you got guard Jimmy Butler tomorrow night. That's more so, is there a trade? Is there free agency? To understand, hey, next year, this is the crop of players that are out East. And for us to be championship caliber and in contention, we need to make sure that we're operating and, and growing as needed thoughts well here's my thing like I I understand because with where they are in the draft you know you're probably gonna have to go after a player that is gonna need a little development they're gonna be a little bit green and that's just what it is so you know going into that understanding that and and having that stance I totally get it but if we are going to be going into the draft with the understanding that the Hawks are going to take a player that's going to need a little development, that maybe spend more time in College Park than he is in Atlanta at State Farm Arena, then what are we going to do once free agency hits? We've seen, we just saw a big three-team trade go down, and that made the Boston Celtics in my opinion uh, a good bit better than what they were uh, going into last week. What are the Hawks going to do? Moves are starting to be made by these other teams. What are the Hawks going to do to get better? Because we've seen it. I don't think they can just stand pat and expect to be a team that can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Heck, they they may not be able to to even make it out of the first round. We'll see. But what are the Hawks going to do? What are they going to do to respond? Because, okay, if if we're in the business of winning, and again, We've heard Tony Wrestler talk about, you know, not wanting to go into the luxury tax uh, unless it makes sense. Well, you're going to be in the luxury tax uh, no matter what. You, you, unless you do some serious offloading of a salary cap, you're going to be in the luxury tax regardless. So you might as well stick your foot all the way in it and just go after it. So, what moves are going to be made to make the Atlanta Hawks better? And, you know, Time's not running out, but it's just starting to wonder, like, okay, chips are starting to fall. I don't know if Landry's waiting on certain chips to fall in free agency. I don't know if he's waiting until after the draft to see exactly where they're going to stand and how the draft is going to pan out. But it just makes you think, okay, like, we're, we're seeing moves being made pre-draft. Yeah. Like, what are the Hawks cooking up here? What are they thinking? It just makes you wonder as a Hawks fan, okay, what are the hawks moves because they certainly can't stand pat right like it just it just leaves us wondering like what's going on
1: right and you really don't have any draft capital at least as of today You really don't have any butt in this draft, right? So this is kind of the time where you might want to package the 15 and the 46 and whomever you have to package, likely, like you said, a John Collins. And Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but you may have to look at one of those younger players. We know that's kind of why the deal broke down when it was originally Celtics, Wizards, Clippers, right? Right. Because, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, as per the usual, we want one guy, Clippers, Celtics, (laughs) we don't want to give that guy up. So sure. then, you know, then you bring the Grizzlies in and they're like, OK, we'll take Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. uh, Tyus Jones, you can go to the Wizards. But I wanted to go back to the Kristaps Porzingis because that was really my hope that the Hawks would go after him and actually be able to acquire him. Right. right. But You make a great point. Two seasons ago, the Hawks took Pat. Right. And everybody was up in arms because of what it resulted in, which was basically playing round. And yep. then the heat ceremoniously get you out of there and what felt like a sweep, although it was five games. Right. Fast forward and they say, OK, lesson learned. We'll go out and we will get a guy like DeJounte Murray right there, borderline superstar, definitely all star. Right. So you thinking, mm-hmm. OK, we're good to go. However, it may actually be the case that and take away that many people think, oh, three first round draft picks. They gave up too much. OK, fine. Take that away. But DeJounte Murray was still, to me, a good pick. And I believe if if they can just hang tight with him one more year, Quinn Snyder will make that backcourt something to be reckoned with because we've seen him take players from good to great, from great to elite before, right? But here's my thing. Look at the move that the Celtics made. They said, we don't really need a true guard like a Marcus Smart. You've been serviceable. We appreciate you. You're you're the longest-tenured Celtic. But guess what? We need somebody on the inside to be able to have an impact that we just did not see. We need a a big somebody who's going to be able to shoot on the wing like they've been able to get some some productivity from Al Horford in that space. We need someone who's not afraid to go out and defend. Newsflash. That's the prototypical five, if not four, but definitely four or five in the league. Right. Not getting that from the current roster as it's constructed, unless, unless you plan on developing, say, anyako Kangu into that. And I'm not saying that he can't become that. But as he stands today, he's not that guy. He's not where Porzingis is or some of the other bigs who are in that space. Right? So that's part right. one. Part two is you're not going to get it out of the draft. So guess where you're going to dig it out of the mud? In free agency. Uh-huh. That's just the uh, – so for me, I said, okay, this to me is where the Hawks are looking at everybody else and saying, uh-oh, they're playing chess, not checkers. Because this is the big where everyone's looking at and saying, we saw what Nikola Jokic did to get his team a championship. We want some semblance of a prototype of what we saw out of him and just really the whole cadre of bigs from the Nuggets. That's what the Hawks have to think about. How are you going to solve the problem at four or five? Because if you leave Trey and DJ at one, two, right? Right. You feel like you have enough. If you got to keep DeAndre Hunter, you have enough backup for him. Uh, in the likes of an A.J. Griffin or a Sadiq Bey to be fine. I feel like maybe that four and five is where you got to make a decision on if you're going to go into free agency or if you're going to do like Landry Fields is saying, you're going to look at it from the perspective of, no, no, we want to get one more player for depth purposes. And then if we get that player for depth purposes, then that player would be someone we understand is going to be developmental. That said, when you look at the two who've been mocked, to the Hawks the most, Lively mm-hmm. and Wallace. Who yep. would you say would be the player based on what the needs are? Maybe now and in the next couple of years for the Hawks, who would be the preferred player to give them what they need if they are indeed drafting a player that they know they have to
0: develop because they want the depth. That is a amazing question, and I can honestly make an argument for both. So <laughs> I will. Yep. Uh, and I'll give you and I'll give you my pick. But first, I'll make an argument for both. If we're first looking at uh, Kasan Wallace. He really, the play there, in my opinion, the long-term play would there be is if the Hawks fear that they maybe wouldn't be able to keep DeJounte Murray long-term. He would kind of, in that opinion, be a little bit of a replacement of DeJounte Murray. Because when we first got DeJounte Murray, we heard about, oh, Trey's going to play more off-ball. We're going to see him going off screens, getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities, doing a lot more off-ball stuff, right? Well... I'm still waiting to see it because I never really saw it. I'm no. just to be completely honest with you, but Kasan Wallace is that guy who we actually could see that from. Because Trey Young, we see if if we saw a little bit of what we saw last year, let's just face it, there's not going to be a lot of off-ball stuff. Not saying there's going to be absolutely none, but Trey Young's just better on the ball, and right now he's more comfortable on the ball than a ball dominant player. However, Kasan Wallace is the complete opposite. As a matter of fact. The scouting reports I've looked at, it said that that's really not his strength. He doesn't have an explosive first step. He's not really, he doesn't really have that elite handle. However, he is very good in catch and shoot situations, has a quick release. He is a very productive three point shooter. He is, he strives more so off ball movement and running off his screens, getting those Mm -hmm. catch and shoot opportunities. So he will be the dude that will be good next to a a, a Trey Young. He will be that guy that can get those catch and shoot opportunities that. Guys can set up. So, in that perspective, if you feel like you maybe can't keep a Dejounte Murray, or heck, maybe if you if you could keep a Dejounte Murray and Kasan Wallace was more of a a, a bench player, and maybe he turns into more of a of a what Bogey is. And not saying they would we'll get rid of Bogey, but you can never have too many three and D players. And talk about defense. Yes, so I've seen yes. in multiple scouting reports that Kasan Wallace is yeah, the best on ball defender in this yeah. draft. So you're getting a good decent defensive player, which we all know the Hawks need defense. Yeah.
1: And so, the thing about it is yeah. you, you think you say we talk about it from DJ's perspective. And again, mm-hmm. nobody is saying trade, 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 trade. No. But you no. don't know what might happen in the next year or two. Correct. And you might be able to get another gym in the middle of the draft, like a Wallace and be Mm -hmm. able to put him at the point as well. Now, yeah, like you said, he's more shooting than anything, but ultimately speaking, someone who could play the one and the two, it's just, at least you have someone viable or knowing that what if Trey goes down, right? What if there's an injury? So you have those, uh, that opportunity, I think where he would be advantageous as well. And when you want to sub out at the end of a first quarter, beginning of a second quarter, you don't have to rush Trey Young back in. You have someone Absolutely. who will potentially put in and get some quality minutes out of. So I like that. But I know you said that Lively as well is somebody who you could make the case for.
0: Yeah, Lively, again, 7'1", 230, that speaks for itself. Yeah, seven
1: um, one, stop right there. <laughs> exactly. Wingspan. A,
0: a true real protector, Seven eight wingspan. I mean, dude, dude is just big. And look, he's very raw, very green. But at the end of the uh, at the end of his season at Duke, he started to come on a little bit more, started to play a lot better. So you saw the potential there. He looked like he's more so on his on the ascension when you talk about his skill set and what he can do and what he's capable of. So, I mean, look, if you and I'm not saying again, I'm not looking into the future too, too much, but. You know, we don't necessarily know how much longer Clint Capella is going to be around. We don't know the future of Clint Capella. I'm not saying he's going anywhere in the next year or two or three. We're not sure of well, the plan there, but yeah. if if there is a post Clint Capella plan, Derek Lively seems like he could be the answer because, look, to me. I think Anyeka Kongu is better suited at the four. Obviously, he can play the five because of right. his versatility on defense, but I think he would be better suited at a four. And now we've seen that he's he's developed a little bit of a jump shot. Heck, he hit what two threes right. last year? He hit year? a couple threes. He right? hit a couple of threes. So yeah. you can see the game developing on Anyeka Kongu. He's starting to stretch out. So I'm not saying he's going to be the ultimate stretch four, but you see that ability is there. So that's something the Hawks can tap into. So the theory could be. You get, you draft a guy like Derek Lively. You have Clint Capella around for a couple of more seasons while Lively is developing. When Lively's ready, maybe there's a situation where you can move Anyeka Kongu to the four. You throw yes. a Derek Lively into that center spot when Anyeka Kongwu is more comfortable, maybe spacing the floor a little bit more than what he is now. And we know with Anyeka Kongu. He's good at guarding on the perimeter. We've seen him guard the likes of Giannis and guys like that. So he's okay guarding people out of. I mean, heck, we've seen Anyeka Kongu guard guards at time and hold his own. So yes, we know he has that skill set. So if you are gonna move on from Clint Capella in a in a few years, you bring in Lively once he's ready. You have Anyeka Kongu move out to the four. I think that could be something That could be a, a future cornerstone right there for the Atlanta Hawks, and that could be a future. Um, front court for the Atlanta Hawks and, and two guys in the post that could that could be a good uh, uh, a match together
1: and you talk about that opportunity there in a couple of years I don't even think it's going to be a couple of years for CC. and that's yeah. not so much that I think that he needs to be gone but his body I don't yeah. know if his body's going to hold up because yeah CC's kind of getting up there so that yeah. could make the case for lively and I don't know if there's as much of a log jam maybe you know in that five space with the Hawks at least as it stands right now. We're going say a little bit of a log jam, kind of between three and four. So yeah, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what happens tonight. You guys know where to come back tomorrow and we get debrief on all of it. But in the meantime, Everydayers, you can also let us know what your thoughts are because you can check us out on YouTube like you do each and every day. We appreciate you. And let us know, do you think that Landry Fields is keeping it 100 when he says that they're likely? to stay at number 15 Hmm. and nobody's even talking about what they're going to do at number 46 right, right. But it's probably going to be a package deal do you <laughs> believe that you think that maybe they're not talking 46 because they're preparing to package a deal so that they can get themselves a veteran maybe get their own version of a big three and really contend now that the east has something to say up top in boston but anyway check us out dayers on youtube and of course download us wherever you get your podcasts Now, family, you know what time it is. It is time for the culture where, hey, we talk about anything. Could be sports, could be entertainment, could be whatever the heck Dylan wants to talk about when he stops by. So today we are talking about Black Excellence, Black Brilliance, Sister to Sister. You remember that show from what? Was that the 90s, Dylan? Sister Sister with Tia and Tamara Mori. I love that show. That was a great show. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And those girls were beautiful and they were brilliant. Well, there's a version of those two in Madison, Illinois. Madison High School, mm-hmm. co-vals for 2023 are twin sisters, mm-hmm. Ariana and Brianna Strader. It's the first time in the history of that particular school district The two people have won the top accolade of being co Accomplishing this feat together was always their end goal. Ariana, the eldest, by just a minute, said we've encouraged each other continuously. We've studied together, made sure our projects were good together, and we always have received feedback from our teachers. And, of course, they are going to school at Southern Illinois University on an absolute full ride. Dylan, how cool is that?
0: Man, that is so cool. Like, it, it's one thing to have a sibling, you know, that that, y- that y'all are close. But right, to right. be able to do what they're doing and doing it together and experiencing all these things together and to be recognized together. I mean, that's just so cool. Like, yeah, well, first of all, we, we love it. We love to see black excellence. We love to see black people get their shine on. So it, it's an amazing feat. And which that was that the first time in history that's ever happened in that district. Yeah. First Dang. time ever.
1: You had cold vows.
0: That that is that is that is great. So, you know, for, for one person who was just trying to, you know, get by like I was cool, like I got, I got the job done. But for right. them to, for them to achieve what they achieved. And that's cool. And they're, they're going to continue on going to the same school together. I mean, the sky is the limit for those two. So I, I'm just so happy for them. And, you know, keep on thriving. Keep on doing what you do.
1: Yeah, I think that is absolutely tremendous. And then to think that they're twins, like, right. I mean, and it's one of those things where it's kind of interesting because it takes me back to like high school and college and how people were buying for, it. like, I can remember this one girl, like she was obsessed with being the valedictorian, right? Yeah. And this one guy who was just smooth, laid back, you yeah. know, everything just came easy to him. He ended up being the valedictorian, but there was like this battle back and forth and neither one, well, more her than him, Right. She wanted to be just the outright valid. He was like, I mean, yeah. whatever, we could be it's, valid. It's, it's whatever. If I'm validatorian,
0: I'm validatorian. <laughs>
1: yeah, like it was, you know, but it's funny because I thought about this and I'm like, dang, like how amazing for two young people to be able to handle that kind of pressure and just block right. out that outside noise and just say, let's do this. And their grandfather told the local news station, like, yeah. I mean, they were just normal everyday kids, and then they started kind of sensing, hey, we can do something special here. So they just got at it and made it happen. And I love the fact that they're covals. Because of course, yes. me and my thought, because I have two nephews, you know them. Oh uh-huh. that's why we call him Big Dylan because yeah. my nephew's little Dylan. <laughs> so they're a year apart, but I'm like, dang, like, how much pressure would that be if like one of them ended up being the Val? Right. Like, does the other one feel like unbelievable pressure to be a exactly. Val like as well? To-
0: well right. Yeah. Like and I wonder, like too, if there was, because you know, siblings are siblings, and really any relatives, you know, there's that natural competitive competitiveness right. there sometimes. So I wonder if at any time, you know, was anyone thinking about gatekeeping? Like, nah, I mean, you know, you, you figure out the answer yourself. I don't know if I want to help you. <laughs> right. With home <laughs> I yeah, know like
1: how you... much collaboration and how much right. was it?
0: Exactly. Like, yeah. did, were they always collaborating on on tests and studying, or was like, no, nah, like, I want I want to see what you do on your own. You know, I I know we are both up there for valedictorian, but I'm sure they 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 helped each other nonstop. And they uh, they they you know joined hands and came together to to be co-val. So now nah, that that's really cool uh, for them for those two to do that. So I just I love to see it.
1: I do, too. It is so exciting. And what else will be exciting is if the Braves can get this win in Philly and they can take a nice little eight game winning streak up to Cincinnati. We'll debrief on it tomorrow. Also, we'll debrief not just on the Hawks draft. We got our eye on our local product, Scoot Henderson, our local product, rather Scoot Henderson. And we're really going to download on anything that might happen because you know what? It might not be that we're just talking draft. We might be talking some big time trades. We'd love mm-hmm. to talk about that. And of course, we'll bring you for the culture again. So don't forget, everydayers, stop by like you do each and every day on YouTube. Drop your comments and let us know your thoughts on the show. We appreciate you as always. And don't forget to download us wherever you download your podcast. So from my guy, Dylan, we appreciate you stopping by and come check us out tomorrow. <laughs>